0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. It's March 11th, 2007. This is episode number 19 of the Lean Blog Podcast. Our guest today is Jim Womack of the Lean Enterprise Institute. We'll be talking about uh, the republication of his book, The Machine That Changed the World, and Jim will be talking about um, Toyota's success, but also um, some ways that looking ahead that Toyota could falter or fail in the coming years. Um, this will be the first part of what's a two-part discussion with Jim. I hope you'll come back um, for the second part. You can get updates about that and other podcasts at our website, www.leanpodcast.org. Well, joining us from Melbourne, Australia today is Jim Woman. Thanks for being here on the podcast, Jim.
1: Delighted to be here.
0: Um, well, Wanted to talk about um, the new edition of the machine that changed the world that's coming out. Um, I, I believe somewhere in the near future. I was wondering if you could talk to us about you know what the motivation was for putting out um, a new version and you know kind of what uh, recent thoughts you have you know based on uh, it's been what about 17 years since the book came out, right? correct?
1: Yeah. Well, it has been a long story. We started working on it really at the end of the 70s uh, at MIT, uh, and the question was why couldn't uh, the home team uh, seem to win any games? And at that time, it was kind of um, not so much home games we were losing, but away games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, 1979 when MIT started its car projects. Uh, we had an intermediate product called Machine that, uh, sorry, called Future of the Automobile in 1984. That uh, basically had the storyline, but just didn't have a lot of the evidence that mm-hmm. we thought we needed. So that's what Machine was supposed to do: supply the evidence. And Machine's real job was to describe a complete business system. And so when it came out uh, in the fall of '90, uh, we were hoping that everybody would understand this was an interlocked, uh, self, you know, mutually self-supporting business system. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, probably was the biggest disappointment of uh, the public reaction to the book. Uh, was that most people over the years? And it's been many, many years, and I had it just happen to me here in Australia yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, it's a great book about factories. <laughs> and if you read the book, well, uh, we devote exactly the same number of words in five different chapters to product development, to uh, purchasing, you know, supplier management, to customer relations, yeah. to the general management of the business, and to operations. And we make very clear on every page that mm-hmm. this stuff is all interlocked. And uh, so in some ways, uh, a lot of people read the book, but uh, always get the feeling nobody read but one chapter. <laughs> right. So that came out in the fall of uh, 1990. Uh, I wasn't sure anything was going to happen when it came out, because at that point, just that particular year, the U.S. Uh, car industry, and that was the key example, was really doing okay. But then the recession of '91 came along and uh, Motown fell off the end of the earth again. Of course, GM nearly went bankrupt in '92. So that suddenly uh, we were off to the races, and uh, we've had uh, continuous sales uh, over many years. Uh, 13, I think, 13. uh, There was a uh, one-time two uh, competing uh, Chinese translations, both of them pirated. (laughs) And uh, so therefore it's a little hard to know exactly uh, how Mm -hmm. many uh, uh, translations might be out there. But anyway, uh, enormous volume, probably a million copies uh, sold so far. And we hadn't had any particular plan of what to do with it, but then the publisher, uh, Simon Schuster Free Press, uh, said, well, gee, this is the year 2007 that uh, Toyota apparently is going to pass GM. Mm-hmm. Right. And so why don't we uh, sort of uh, reissue this? And Dan Jones and I, uh, with Dan Roos at MIT, but uh, Dan Jones and I have been the people who really kind of kept up with it Dan Roos has gone on to other things. Mm-hmm. I said, well, gee, we need to put a new front end on it, uh, which uh, has the title, White Toyota One, that uh, just sort of puts this book in history and sort of shows uh, its role uh, or lack of role in uh, trying to change uh, how the world thinks, if not change the world. Mm -hmm. And then we have a uh, considerable amount of material at the end, uh, which you don't see very often in books, and I think we're pretty uh, straightforward in labeling it, that uh, we've learned a lot uh, since 1990, and some of what uh, we told you in the book is not exactly right. So, therefore, uh, think of this as uh, Mm. not exactly a product recall, but it is a, uh, you know, model line enhancement. You know, this is the uh, 19, uh, what uh, might have been the 1991 model if we had done annual model changes, but Mm -hmm. we didn't get to it until 2007. So it's uh, some material that I think is useful that uh, basically just sums up what we've learned in the last 17 years.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, looking at at the point where Toyota, as you said, is poised to become number one and saying, why Toyota won? I assume expectation would be that looking you know another 17 years out that Toyota would still be on top that Toyota will continue winning or or do you think some of the, the uh you know some of the rest of the, the Toyota executives talk about um either just from from getting too large or potential backlash mm-hmm. I mean do do you think some of those fears or uh how how is that well, going to play Well how could
1: out? Uh, now we could say uh, Toyota won how could Toyota lose and, you know, there are a number of features of the system that you look at that um, we don't know whether they can really be sustained. So, you know, why don't we just take a walk? We just use the, the chapters in the book uh, to do that. Okay. The factory practice is really the easiest thing to uh, transplant. But uh, even there, we see that Toyota is not uh, actually building capacity abroad as fast as market demand would dictate. Because uh, what we hear from back in Japan is that they just literally don't have the planning organization uh, who can put these uh, mighty um, you know, sort of aircraft carriers called assembly plants uh, in place. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, for example, uh, my friends down in Brazil have uh, been told by Toyota we'd love to do another plant in Brazil, but we just can't now or probably soon because we literally have no one who can mm-hmm. uh, design the thing and get it on the ground. And, and by the way, uh, people forget, uh, or don't somehow or other quite click on the fact that Toyota puts a new plant in place. Uh, it's better than anybody else's plan on the day it opens, that Kaizen, while it's a good thing and an important thing, uh, is not really the issue for a while, that it's just getting it right on day one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, still, for better or worse, is done by a small group of people, mostly Japanese, uh, who know how to lay out an operation and uh, get everything lined up, and where there, the uh, production control logistics group is really the key group. Uh, right. Most people don't even realize that uh, that's that's the gang that does value stream thinking in the uh, physical production side of the business.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so therefore, uh, Toyota's got a question of how quickly can they even expand plants? Okay, and they could go too fast that uh, Mr. Okuda came in as chairman uh, back at the end of the 90s, and uh, Okuda um, said, you know, we're going to go very fast, and by golly, we're going for it. And uh, a lot of dispute within the company, and now Mr. Cho is in, as Fijio Cho is in as Mm -hmm. the chairman, who's kind of a back-to-basics kind of guy, and it's not an accident, I think, that he's now uh, the top guy, because uh, this is, uh, whoa, Uh, let's make sure we can actually keep this thing going. So Toyota could put some bad plants in place. Mm -hmm. And goodness gracious, uh, GM, Ford, Chrysler, and the rest of the gang know what it is to try to dig your way out of a brownfield Mm -hmm. uh, into what it should have been to begin with. So therefore, uh, we can't absolutely be assured that Toyota can continue to put good plants in place, nor can we be assured that they can sustain plants. Uh, That the management system, again, is pretty thin at this point. That the Toyota teaching system on how you create a manager uh, in Japan historically started when you got out of university and you went over to Toyota and you spent a year rotating around the business and three months making cars, three months selling cars, three months in engineering, even if you knew nothing about engineering, three months in HR or some other function purchasing. Um, mm-hmm. And it was only at that point that they began their management education, which, by the way, was to present you with an A3 on your desk when you sat down to go to your real work, and it was a problem that you were supposed to solve. Mm. And by the way, there wasn't uh, any hope you were going to be able to solve this problem because it was about something by design you didn't know anything about. Mm. And the whole idea, and that's their A3 process, is teach you to describe the problem and then go see mm-hmm. you know, what the circumstances are, the process uh, issues are that are causing the problem. Envision a better circumstance, a better process, figure out who has to do what, when to get to that better process, and then uh, please provide some evidence so we can judge whether the problem has really been solved. Mm-hmm. That's just PDCA, you know, good old Dr. Deming, plan Do check Act. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is the fundamental core of the management system and of the teaching system, And the boss, by the way, never tells you the answer. Uh, The boss keeps asking questions. You know, why do you think this? What's the evidence? How can you show me this? Are you sure that's the right thing to do? Well, that teaching system requires years and years and years to get uh, that wonderful thing, a uh, fully seasoned Toyota manager. Mm -hmm. And yet they're growing at such a rate that they're having to bring in enormous numbers of strangers to run these plants uh, who honestly don't have that much knowledge of the system. You know, it's something to think about that uh, Jeff Liker and uh, the folks uh, in his group who uh, put together Toyota Way and the Toyota Way field book mm-hmm. uh, got full cooperation from Toyota. Well, wait a minute. I wonder why they would have that. Well, because Toyota needs its new managers to read <laughs> Jeff's books. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, if you're running the world's preeminent organization and you're depending on an outside uh, guy to uh, explain to your managers what management is, mm-hmm. you just might be on thin ice. Okay. And that's so not to say anything uh, sure. bad about Jeff's books, which are great, yeah. but just to say that if that's the situation Toyota's in, well, uh, you know, watch out for low bridges. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, they could go native. That's just another way of saying it, where mm-hmm. uh, native behavior uh, that uh, deep, dark jungle none of us should want to go in is mass production. Yeah. And uh, so, therefore, uh, that's how Toyota could lose. So that's point number one. Uh, point number two, uh, the product development system. Uh, we just uh, at, at LEI published a new book uh, posthumously of Al Ward's about uh, their product and process development system. It's just mm-hmm. out this week, uh, which is what happened when Al, who truly was a brilliant man, uh, went into Toyota to try to understand how they do product development. But as you look at that material, uh, you know this is a really deep, deep system. Uh, Jim Morgan, wonderful guy at Ford, uh, with Jeff Leiker's help, has uh, done the Toyota product development system book. Um, as well, and those two books, by the way, are compliments. They're not doing the yeah. same thing. They're What's the name pieces.
0: of the, the Al Ward book?
1: Uh, it's called Product and Process Development. Okay. Lean, sorry, Lean Product and Process Development. Okay. Um, so, therefore, you look at the product development system and you realize that they've got a tremendous problem trying to scale this thing up. And uh, a good part of their current recalls. Uh, issue, and we can talk about that uh, in a minute, is simply that they've got a lot of contract guest engineers Mm. who weren't trained in the Toyota system at all, and of course they're using a lot of engineers and suppliers who are strangers, uh, because the suppliers are strangers. uh, Watanabe, the current president's uh, claim to the job was that he found the parts to keep Okuda's breakneck expansion program (laughs) going, Mm -hmm. and the question is, well, did he find the parts or didn't he? yeah because uh, a good bit of the recall uh business is not in the plant but uh, in fact most of it's not plant but it's
0: part design side and suppliers.
1: so it's uh, from suppliers who don't understand the system or from in Toyota's case even using some contract engineers who don't understand the system mm-hmm. so again the risk is that you regress to that um, you know that nasty mean uh called mass production because that's easy to understand whereas mm-hmm. the uh, Toyota system is actually hard to understand mm-hmm. So that's the second way these guys could fail. Uh, third way they could fail uh, is again just to extend that into the purchasing uh, operation that uh, I've watched uh, with my very own eyes, as as a not as a consultant of any sort, but simply as an observer, uh, what Toyota has tried to do in North America to create uh, Toyota class suppliers. Most recently with Delphi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a staggering amount of continuous, intensive interaction in which they ask questions about every process every day. Well, okay, great, but who's going to ask those questions? Uh, that, uh, you know, the Toyota um, Supplier Support Center, which was actually a spinoff of the OMC operation, the mm-hmm. Operation Management Consulting uh, Operation and, boy, that is a teeny group of people. I mean, Toyota doesn't depend on staffs. They depend on managers who actually know how to improve processes? Right. So, therefore, if they have these little teeny staffs that are supposed to run around and fix the suppliers, uh, just how good do you think those suppliers are going to be? Or, more to the point, how much better than those suppliers working for Toyota's competitors mm-hmm. are they going? Because it's the same suppliers. I mean, Delphi, you know, works for GM. They work for Toyota. The whole idea here is not to get them to do a better job for GM. It's to get them to do a better job for Toyota. Sure. And that's uh, very labor-intensive, and uh, that labor is, in short, Uh, supply. uh Then i uh, just go through two more things, that mm-hmm. the sales system, uh, Toyota's dealing system in Japan is one of the wonders of the world. Uh, it is one that uh, is co-owned by Toyota, and they totally control the channel, and therefore they were able many, many, many years ago to apply lean thinking to car sales. And uh not doing it at all the way people would expect here. This was the famous door-to-door sales operation in which they got to know every family who's a Toyota <laughs> customer. By golly, they keep them. And it's permitted Toyota to have a very stable 40% share in Japan for the last 50 years. And that's not an accident because everybody understands they're not supposed to go beyond 40%. Uh, they will be uh, visited by the Fair Trade so, therefore, you take, um, you take profit uh, rather than take more share. Yeah. But anyway, that selling system, they have never been able to export to the rest of the world, uh, which is a great shame that uh, Toyota dealers around the world may be average. In the States, they're much worse than average. Uh, so what you have is a better-than-average product and a worse-than-average dealer, and it's still as a package a competitive mm-hmm. deal. But uh, over time, uh, that's a real vulnerability. That uh, It's a missing piece of the puzzle, and, uh, you know, look, I don't know what they're going to do. They periodically call me at Toyota and say, gee, could you help us fix our dealers? And uh, yet there never seems to be a plausible plan. And I tried mm-hmm. it once, actually, back in 1991, mm-hmm. And it was just an enormous exercise in frustration. Um, some folks may have seen my little essay on farmers and uh, hunters. Right. And uh, dealers are just pure hunters. They're just uh, wanting the one point of transaction to get your money. And uh, just psychologically, they have a hard time apparently thinking about anything else. Uh, for the Lean Solutions book that Dan Jones and I did last year, we actually had to go invent a lean car dealer in Portugal because uh, outside of Japan, we couldn't find one. Mm, right. And uh, here's to Dan; he and his team uh, actually invented one uh, that we tell you about in the book. But that's one dealer in a world that's probably got sixty thousand dealers. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. a uh, it's a good question about whether Toyota will have any advantage in terms of how it touches the customer. And over the long term, again, that becomes uh, problematic if you don't uh, treat your customer better. And by the way, you save money by treating customers better. Uh, It turns out that good service is absolutely cheaper than bad service. It's Mm -hmm. cheaper for the customer in terms of uh, saving their time, Mm -hmm. and it's cheaper for the dealer uh, in every aspect of the dealership. And yet uh, Toyota just hasn't been able to get the uh, dealer's attention. And uh, Toyota Motor Sales out in California, where Jim Press uh, hung out for many years, he's now the Toyota North America president, uh, was uh, a happy-go-lucky bunch of Americans who were hired in before Toyota did Georgetown. This was back at the beginning of the 70s, before they had uh, really thought about transferring any of their system to America. And so they put in place a very conventional dealing system. Uh, The one part they have been able to fix is the part distribution business. I just was out looking at uh, one of their distribution centers in the Boston area about three weeks ago, and uh, that they really got right, and it really is a uh, terrific uh, thing. It proves what they can do, but that's the back side of the deal, where you can do some things without the dealer even noticing. It's the front side of the deal uh, that's the the real issue. Put those uh, four things together, and you say, gee, Toyota could put some bad plants in place. They could uh, sign up uh, some bad suppliers. They could do some bad engineering. And they could continue uh, to have, at best, mediocre and, at worst, uh, much worse than average uh, customer touch. And those are all bad things when you look uh, at the future in terms of uh, where they might wind up. Uh, And then finally, they have the overall general uh, management system that uh, again the, the the folks who were really taught the system, and I've learned uh, much of what I know about this from John Shook, who uh, sat at the right hand of Mr. Cho in setting up North America. Um, that uh, you know that management system begins uh, you know when you're a 22 year old, and it's this endless problem solving uh, business in which. Uh, Top-level managers never give answers. They just ask more questions, but they're deeply informed questions. That's Mm -hmm. the key thing. And so the job is to get to root cause, to uh, come up with a short-term temporary fix so that you can uh, deal with the immediate problem, but then put in place a long-term fix that actually eliminates the source of the problem. And that uh, sort of management thinking is just so uh, different uh, from what uh, we do uh, as uh, just All of the education we get is uh, make your numbers and uh, move Mm -hmm. on to the next thing. That business of managed by um, results as opposed to the Toyota uh, idea of managing by process. Uh, Good old H. Thomas Johnson uh, has been uh, the guy who's probably explained that in the plainest language. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just haven't uh, um, gotten very far as a society. and That's in the U.S. or... in North America or wherever. And so Toyota is constantly swimming against the current and trying to get its managers to behave uh, in a very different way. So I'm talking about its general managers. And uh, what we've seen so far is that there are a lot of guys who can paint by the numbers. As long as they have a higher level of truly Toyota-trained management that keeps them on the straight and narrow, they're okay. Mm -hmm. But what we haven't seen uh, is that from the bottom, Uh, You know, from the age of 22 or 23 or 25, uh, creation of managers who 15, 20 years later become the very impressive uh, people that the current uh, generation of Japanese uh, managers are. And for the long term, they've got to figure out how to do that. And, you know, to repeat, it swims against everything that uh, we're still very much into career churning. And that's actually gotten worse uh, in the U.S. and Europe, that a uh, few people now go into an organization and expect to stay there. Mm-hmm. And there's a tremendous uh, temptation to ticket punching at Toyota, uh, which is why you meet all these people who work there for a year or two or three, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. funny thing, don't seem to know anything. But by golly, they've got Toyota on their resume. Yeah. So that uh, you put all that together, and uh, what we're trying to do is change the world by um, basically introducing a system that's new on five dimensions, you know, on how you design products and how you make them and how you deal with suppliers, how you deal with customers, and how general management works. Whoa, that's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, However, let's uh, just uh, flip it around the other way. That's how Toyota can lose. But uh, let's remember that there is uh, something very significant in the car industry in particular called momentum, that the product is truly a durable good. And by the way, it's amazing how durable cars are these days. Um, I'm, I'm that anomaly of the guy who promotes Toyota who's never owned one. Uh, i got somebody else's cars that I think are a little more interesting. But even those guys, uh, whoa, I'm just amazed. I keep cars for a long time, and I've got cars I've had for a decade, and gee whiz, they run great. So that user experience goes on for a very long time, uh, good or bad. So, that when you put a bunch of bad cars out, as GM, Ford, Chrysler did a long time ago, uh, not such uh, bad mm-hmm. cars recently, uh, that memory lives on. Those things are rolling around for a long time to remind everybody, it's kind of rolling billboards. Um, so, Toyota has put a lot of good cars out. And, uh, you know, the business that the media has been um, thrashing about with the recent recalls, uh, most of those vehicles were recalled before anybody ever even knew about them and they're picked up at the next service interval. And these are problems that Toyota has discovered are going to be problems in the future, but for the most part have not been significant problems in user experience so far. So as long as they're able to do that, and by the way, you contrast that with uh, the famous GM uh, X-car brake situation of 25 years ago, which was one, I think, of the key moments of GM just uh, sliding down the chute. Uh, They clearly had a problem, and the company just stonewalled. Uh, Toyota's been doing almost the opposite of stonewalling. They've mm-hmm. been uh, admitting problems that may not even be problems. But uh, the point is, uh, for the moment, they still got the uh, the customer uh, convinced they got a, a pretty good product, hence the high selling prices and mm-hmm. the growth and share. So it takes a long time to bleed that off, even if Toyota has started to do some mm-hmm. bad things. Right. Uh, there's a momentum to this business that extends for a decade or two, even if you start to screw up.
0: Yeah, because yeah, the, the, the GM and Ford people, the executives love to complain that, you know, they've gotten a lot better and right, low is them, right. the reputation hasn't caught right. up to
1: them. And that's right. And so it's exactly the opposite, that once you do screw up, uh, boy, you get, uh, you know, there are no 15-yard penalties in this game. They put you all the way back on your own goal line. And so, therefore, uh, because Toyota hasn't, to uh, this point, uh, in my view, significantly screwed up, Uh, they get, uh, you know, what the winner gets, they get a grace period. By the way, from the standpoint of someone like Fujio Cho, uh, that's actually a bad thing because uh, what they believe is an instantaneous feedback. They try to build a management system that generates instantaneous feedback. The last thing they want is a lag between starting to do something wrong and the customer starting to punish them for it. Mm -hmm. So that's a real risk for them. But uh, for the short term, I mean, you know, can Toyota screw up? Uh, For the short term, I think the answer is no. For the long term, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they think about it every day uh, at headquarters about uh, how can we avoid uh, screwing up at a point in time when most any company would be dumb, fat, and happy. Now, that's totally different from politics. Um, And what they are certainly uh, obsessed with in the short term is what could happen to them politically. Um, and um, that one, none of us knows, but uh, there's lots of downside potential.
0: Well, and, and it seems like recently some of the um, excuse-making you know, has popped up, um, whether it's mm-hmm. from politicians talking about yeah. uh, you know, you know, cu- uh, currency valuations in the yen yeah. and yeah.
1: all yeah.
0: sorts of external things that are, quote-unquote, unfair to the big three. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah. me a lot of the, the perception that I, I think the machine that changed the world helped break down uh, right. When it was published, that it's not all of these other factors, or uh, yeah,
1: know. it's a little discouraging to hear uh, some of this stuff. But look, here's the reality: there are a lot of people feeling a lot of pain, and uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of politicians out there whose uh, job it is to, uh, you know, look. Uh, let's talk yeah. about the positive side of politics. They're supposed to deal with people's pain, so it's it's disappointing, but it's not surprising, particularly given the incredibly poor. Game that uh, the American companies have played. You know, that uh, all of Motown, uh, you know, looks like the Detroit Lions. Um, These guys, uh, they can't, it used to be they couldn't win away games. These guys haven't won a home game in a generation so that uh, that you know you're going to get politics uh if uh, the home team just can't play the game well then the natural thing is to start saying that the referee uh, is on the take yeah. and you see it all over the world and i mean name a, a situation in sport where your national team uh, just loses and loses where you don't blame um you know some nefarious factor that mm-hmm. the other guys are using steroids or the referees on the take or whatever yeah. so that's going to happen Uh, It's disappointing, and uh, as an educator, and I certainly think of myself uh, predominantly, primarily as an educator, I say, gee whiz, uh, if the pupil hasn't learned, the teacher hasn't taught, which is another uh, favorite uh, Toyota saying, uh, where'd I go wrong? Did my best, but it doesn't seem like I've done enough.
0: Thanks for listening.